Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So there's all the audio from a glorious day at Arsenal yesterday. Absolutely fantastic. And now in the cold light of day, the following day on the Monday, uh, here we are, Peter and I, discussing it in a bit more detail and in slight more sobriety than uh, than we were perhaps I don't know yesterday. I what you're insinuating there. I was like, I was sober as a judge. <laughs> yes, that's right. So was I. Hmm. Uh, Might be anyways, a judge, uh, but, you know, it was uh, the judge yeah. nonetheless. Judges do lots of things. Still a judge. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, And um, what what a great day, wasn't it? Arsenal nil, Brighton and Hove Albion. Three. Uh, just the quick details and see so on 51 minutes, Undav on 86 and Estupinian on 96. Um, the um, assists were Estupinian for the first one and then uh, Grosh. And then, of course, uh, it was a giveaway, wasn't it, for the third one? So, uh, it was so that's, up, I suppose, technically, wasn't it? Yeah, possibly. I suppose. Undav, I suppose, with his shot, wasn't it? I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I guess, I guess he could claim an assist there. Um, what really stood out for me was um, Estupinian getting his second goal for the Albion, and uh, not his first, in my opinion. <laughs> and that goal was a goal at Palace, uh, simple as that. Anyway, um, but delighted for him, delighted for Undav, who who's chipped it in the net again. What's going on? Yeah, <laughs> it's become his we most definite strength, haven't we? Yeah, Just chipping it over keepers. <laughs> but we had no. It's a great day out. We we were at the um, Hamilton Brewery pre-match. Uh, a, a great day, sunny weather. Having a good chat with a lot of people. We didn't get the NSK guys on in the end. They were a bit reticent to come on for some reason. So a bit disappointing. But um, maybe get them on another time. Um, but there was a load of us there. Quite a few Brighton fans. Um, a beer festival, which we narrowly avoided. That could have got really messy. I think ten quid drinkers. Yeah, I think might not have seen the game. <laughs> <laughs> we, we did well enough as it was. Um, and yeah, then we. Uh, it's good to see you as well on on a match day. We don't do it often enough, do we? I suppose so quite often you've got other stuff going on. But um, it was good to meet up with you and various other people. And um, and then onto the game, a, a nice brisk walk to the Emirates and into the grounds. A nice sunny day, and I, I love that Arsenal Stadium. Actually, I think it's such a nice um, environment. Such a nice um, definitely helps that we have some pretty good results there. <laughs> yeah, it certainly does. Yeah, but I mean, just aesthetically, I think it's a, it's a really good ground. They do actually make some noise now, which they didn't for many years. Um, the Ashburton, whatever they're called, Ashburton Arses or something. Yeah, Ashburton Arses or something like that. I can't remember what it was now. It's like it's, it, it does begin with A. It's very alliterative. Hmm. Yeah, and completely forgettable by all accounts because we can't remember what it is. But um, I remember oh it was Ashburton something. Yeah, so well, that makes a step up for not remembering at all. Yeah, Ashburton Grove, of course, the site that the stadium was built on. I'm surprised them. They don't. Well, it's been the Emirates since the beginning, isn't it? So it's a little bit like us with Thalmer and Amex. So it's just uh, they're always yeah. going to refer to it by the um, sponsored Ashburton name. Army. There we are. Ashburton Army, not arses. Ashburton well, Army. The yeah. arse, the alphabet. Ashburton Army. Actually, I don't mind that. That's a bit original, isn't it? It's a little, a little bit better than just the. Arsenal boys or something, you know, the yeah. usual kind of crap. That, the Arsenal uh, Ultras. Yes, which would be a little bit bland. <laughs> anyway, that's enough about that. On to the game. So 3-0, all the goals, as we've just mentioned, they were in the second half. Let's talk about Up it. Up our end. 
at our end, which is great. And actually, Arsenal were certainly the better side, I thought, in the first half. They were definitely having a lot more of it in that game, in that half of the game. And of course, uh, Leandro... Although Enciso's chance was arguably the best one of the half, I think, probably. Yeah. That's true, yeah. I mean, that was a great, a long ball. Was it Colwell who played that ball? Yeah, a long ball from Colwell and really well played by um, Matome. Completely, he did Ben White down the flank. Yeah, and I mean, then, what, uh, a 90-yard pass, was it, or something? And yeah. Then he skins, uh, yeah, it's, uh, skins him. And then, yeah, and so just had that um, had that great shot, didn't he? Just really fired it off. It's typical him. He tends to do this, doesn't he? He's very direct in terms of his, his actual end product, which is yeah. great. He doesn't mess around. He's got a real hunger for, for goals. I, th- I think he's such a good player. And he fired a shot off, and it was pretty dangerous. I would say it's a, almost a better version of the um, of the McNeil goal scored against us <laughs> earlier in the week, ironically. Similar sort of position. Um, it was probably going to... It might have hit the bar. might have gone in off the bar. Hard to tell. But it was tipped over. And um, that was our best chance, and probably the best chance of the first well, I was thinking the other one, the one when... No, that, that was the other one. Um, I was thinking of where Matoma beat White and then uh, Enciso put it over at the far post. Oh, that one. Yeah. I, don't know. I mean, because somebody, I think it was a goalkeeper, got touched, didn't he? And I think. I no, think that, they, so that was, there was two different Enciso chances. That's where we're getting yeah. confused. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So that's the one you're talking about. He, it's re- he's reaching behind him a bit, I think. Yeah. I don't think it was quite as good a chance as it could have been, actually, because of that touch from the defender. Or yeah, Ram- Ramsdale did well to get a touch on it, but still it was. I think he still should have done better with it, really. Oh, I don't know. I think that's harsh from Marsh, actually, a little bit. I know the, the commentator said the same as you. They said that was um, a golden opportunity. But, I mean, unless he could have a bit more time to set himself, I don't, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I think that's always hard to keep down, down that when you're stretching behind you, yourself slightly. But he's he's the kind of player that you think might be able to do that, though, as well. He's, mm. he's pretty good. So we had those two chances. Um, at the other end of the field, our end, um, Leandro Trosbar uh, was back again, wasn't he? <laughs> he's hit the bar again. It's just something about him and Brighton. Um, you know, he had the three in one game against Man United. I think he hit the bar five or six times that season, didn't he? Or something like that. Uh, six or seven times, maybe. And um, yeah, it was a good shot, actually. Just over, just brushed the top of the bar. And um, actually took a deflection off Grosh. Grosh did really well with it. Um, but yeah. looking at the match today and the, and the, the highlights and the live recording, but yeah, um, didn't get a corner for it. They didn't, but Grosh did really well with it. I have to mm. say, though, I thought Trossard did better for us yesterday than he did the last three games he played for us. So he contributed mm. more to the Albion with that assist yesterday than... Uh... <laughs> Yes, yeah, he gave the ball away, of course, for the third goal, wasn't it? I think. Second. Oh, second goal. Yeah, the second, second goal. Where, um, yeah, the chip with delightful chip. Um, I can't remember the exact chronology, but there was um, there were two or three incidents in the game which were talking points. Um, first of all, there was the challenge on Mitama, um, which was that would have been in the first half, um, where uh, essentially Martinelli as as he's going for the ball, Mitama's going for the ball. They're both looking at the ball, um, but. Essentially, what happens is Mitterman's uh, totally taken out. He's completely um, poleaxed by um, the, the drifting, kind of lunging body of Martinelli, who's sort of gone airborne and then just let himself just crash into Mitterman. And some people said, no, it's just coming together. They both had eyes on the ball. And I think, I didn't quite catch it, but I think Dermot Gallagher has kind of excused it and said that's no more than the yellow. It wasn't given as a yellow, of course. It was. Yeah. I've, I've not seen anyone say it was just a coming together. I've seen people say maybe it was a yellow and others say it was a red. I actually think probably whatever the referee goes for doesn't get overturned there. I don't yeah. think if he's given a red on the pitch, I don't think that gets overturned, to be honest. It was it was a nasty tackle from Martinelli. And yeah, and then Arsenal fans moaning about, you know, kind of like the tackle on from Casado on Martinelli. That was a pretty average tackle. Yeah, he kind of his ankle went at an awkward angle as a result of it, but that wasn't down to what Casado did. No. He kind of came in. He had every right to go for the ball there. And then, yeah, it was, to me, it wasn't a booking. Whereas um, Martinez was an absolutely guaranteed booking. And that's pretty much what they said I matched the day. They said it was a yellow card verging on red for Martinelli. And then probably, a, possibly a yellow, but maybe, but probably not for Casado. There's yeah. absolutely no way you can book Casado having let Martinelli get away with what he did. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but and I, I thought... He, he let a lot go, and then Stupinian got booked for nothing. Basically, it wasn't even a foul. I don't think what he got yeah, booked for. Completely agree with that. I mean, the the refing wasn't brilliant because in this game. I think with that Martinelli incident, I think that was pretty nasty because I think that was premeditated. Yes, he did have his eyes yeah. on 
on the ball largely, but he knew where Mitterman was and he deliberately allowed himself to drift yeah. into that position, knowing he wasn't going to get the ball. He still just went full in and just cluttered him. Basically, his side about halfway up, wasn't it? Made contact. How they, how they got yeah. to 80 minutes without a booking is beyond me. There was another one on McAllister where they caught him, one of them, their players caught him really late and yeah, ended end. up with Grosh kicking the ball out for their throw. And then they basically kind of, when we had the ball completely in our own in our own half, completely free, they then kind of kicked it out of play for a throw and then pressured us into losing the ball. And I thought it's not particularly good sportsmanship from Arsenal, to be honest, yeah. that. Agreed. They, they basically, rather than giving it to us back in the situation that we had it, when it was originally, we, we were giving treatment because of a foul by one of their players, which was actually quite a nasty tackle and should have been booked for. They, they Instead of that, we kind of ended up being pressed back into our own half by because they basically cheated effectively. And yeah. it's, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, the, the other thing is that um, I thought... Yeah, certain niggly situations as well. I don't think the refereeing was appalling, but it was it wasn't great. Arsenal sportsmanship, as you said, not great in that incident as well. I think um, that Madley incident, I think Madley with his refereeing set the tone with that letting Martinelli get away with that because it, yeah. it kind of led to a few probably slightly naughty challenges from both sides that maybe yeah. you know there were a few where people got stuck in more than they would have done if they. But having seen that kind of that challenge get away with it, they were like, mm. well, actually, you know. I, I know they say don't you you know people referees don't really want to book players early, but I mean that when when they do that you should book him early. Yeah. <laughs> At the very least, it was a yeah arm first. It was a really nasty tackle, and to be honest, I find it quite funny them after they ended up going off injured. It serves him right. Well, it does really, isn't it? You know, because he he's, he escaped in one way and then he doesn't in the other way. I think that's poetic justice of a sort, isn't it? To some yeah. degree, at least. Um, just talking about the lineup, by the way, because we obviously had this concern, particularly at right back, and therefore by extension, maybe in midfield as well. We started with obviously stealing goal. We had Caicedo playing as right back again with Duncan Colwell central, Estepinian on the left. So Grosh and Gilmore were the the deeper lying midfielders, and then McAllister playing further forward in in the number ten role of his shirt, really. Um, but interestingly as well, we started with NCSO on the left and Mitama unusually on the right-hand side. And then Ferguson was back in for a start as well up front. Um, and we did change it round in terms of Mitama and NCSO as the game wore on, swapped it back round. So Mitama was then able to hassle Ben White uh, on that side of the pitch. And I think he, he had a lot of success on that side as the game wore on, which was great to see. But Casido, I thought, played better in this right-back role today, sorry, yesterday, than he did in the previous occasion, which was the... Uh, United game, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, United game, that's right. Yeah. I thought he played pretty well then as well, to be fair. So. Yeah, he did, he did. And I thought he was absolutely outstanding in this game. I think there was a number of outstanding performances. Casado, Estupinian and Colwell were all superb, I thought. Gilmore had another good game. Uh, and obviously, Mitama looked uh, more sharp and a little bit more himself, I think. And CISO had an excellent game. There was a lot of bite and typical stuff from McAllister. I thought that all those players had had really good games. Steele as well. Um, in the first half, there was one chance actually, um, which could have been dangerous, even though he, uh, Gabriel Jesus took it wide. He had to shoot in from a, a bit of a tight angle, but still got his foot down really flat and oh, his leg down. Sorry, really flat and quick to block out what could have sneaked in actually by the uh, near post, um, so, or could have deflected in. Um, a la <laughs> the um. The game we don't want to talk about from the <laughs> from Monday. Um, so yeah, I mean, were, so good performances all round. I thought, and that first half, I think we just needed to weather it. We needed to get through it, didn't we? And that was going to be the key. Mm. And once we did that, I felt I was confident that we could go on from there. And as I said to you before the game in our preview part of our last podcast, I felt confident we could get a result here. It's just the case that when we have got adversity, when we have got players out, we. So yeah, just um, look at the Wolves game as another example. We've um, we've managed to come good um, despite those weaknesses. And I know Wolves you, are awful, but we still you know you, the you level. Look at the excuses United um, Arsenal seem to be offering of like, oh Saliba's out seems to have like completely screwed their whole season. One player basically yeah. is being out, and we had eight out yesterday. Exactly. I think it was, and it's like yeah. I don't understand. You have Zinchenko and Saliba were the only ones I think of their whole squad who are out. Yeah. And that, you know, and that's mentioned as well. Saliba gets mentioned all over and that sort of thing. No one mentions the fact that we had so many players out. I mean, Sanchez, yeah. you can't, it's hard to count because he probably wouldn't have played. But then, you know, lots of players, you know, Veltman would have started. Lalana probably would have started if fit. Yeah. Um, you know, Sarmiento would have been off for option off the bench. And Solly. Uh, Webster may have started, although Colwell had a fantastic game, I thought. 
Um, so, Lamptey, if fit, would have started in this team probably because we didn't have a right back. And Solly, um, yeah. Solly definitely would have started. Yeah, yeah so you, you know, that's that's seven and eight. There's someone else as well I'm missing as well. Oh, Modder, of course, who, yeah, we've missed all season. So, you know, it's like, it's all, all very well with these, you know, the big clubs. It's like we've had that both times before with Arsenal, you know, when we won there in the League Cup, there was all the talk that they made nine changes, but no one mentioned that we made seven or eight. And when, when we played them at Christmas, there was all the talk of Jesus being out and them swapping their fullbacks out uh, yeah. for, for like, after an hour. There was no talk of us having five players out, six players out. Hmm. And then on to, um, yeah, the, the second half. So we got the better of them. We got that goal through um, uh, through NC. So first of all, it was a break down the left-hand side and um, Estepinian got in uh, and he kind of uh, sort of like just uh, did that knocking down and up kind of shot, which actually yeah. was how he scored his goal as well yeah. later on. Um, yeah, he kicked it into the ground, bounced over the defender, and so it appeared low, but not too low for Enciso to kind of slightly angle his header past the goalie, uh, right in on goal, uh, beautiful. And, he's, uh, he's and then we all waited for VAR to get involved, because Arsenal were moaning uh, about it. And... Yeah, I got a bit nervous there, because the Arsenal players sort of were clustered around, and the referee sort of walked over to them and stood there with them for a moment. And I wonder what I was thinking. What's going on here? I hadn't really looked to see if there was an offside or a foul or anything like that. Was that the one where the Arsenal defender went down? Yeah, was wasn't it? Was it was it um, Gabriel? I can't remember who. Kivor or Kivor, his name is the Polish guy. Yeah, I mean to be honest, there was like I think Mika Richards on the Sky coverage was saying it was a foul, and everyone else was laughing at him pretty much. It was ludicrous. How on earth anyone can think it was a foul? Basically, Gabriel shoved Ferguson towards Kivor, and he. Basically went down with absolutely no, you know, he's so weak. And yeah, it was ridiculous. If that had been given as a free kick, then it would yeah. have been crazy. And if if he was faking it or exaggerating it, um, then I would have a word with him if I was the manager because yeah. he, he he was quite close to where the goal occurred. Yeah. So no, absolutely. He, he, he should have stayed in his feet. He it was yeah. And he clearly was fine. It was no problem afterwards. He carried on. It was yeah. Ferguson, if anything, got shoved into him by Gabriel. So well, maybe Gabriel shouldn't be shoving players around as well in the area if you're going to look for a real culprit. And yeah, in Cito, as a result, had a really free header. And it was great. And yeah, and then I think halfway through, the guy getting treated, the referee confirmed it was all fine. And yeah, 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 felt like it was going to be a long 40 minutes plus injury time at that point. And then, yeah, obviously, the, the, the last 10 minutes were made a lot easier by by what happened afterwards. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, we were leading for quite a while at 1-0. And as you said, that we kept looking up at that scoreboard. And I, I'm strangely, the only thing is, I'm strangely quite relaxed about how we are in these situations. You know, a couple of years ago, I would have been thinking, oh, we want to up at Arsenal. God, please let us hold on to this. Mm. And, you know, however we play the game, us as fans, we're going to be nervous, whatever was going on on the pitch. All the time it's 1-0. I felt strangely relaxed about it. Not that I didn't think Arsenal could score, but somehow it just... Felt as if, yeah, we've, we've. They didn't have loads of chances, did they? And it was. No. And I think the big, the big thing from their point of view, especially once it went to two 0 was a draw. Really, didn't mean that much to yeah. them. You know, it was, it was, you know, one That's point wasn't going to make any difference. Yeah. Exactly. Once, once we scored the second uh, with four minutes left, you think, well, with, with eight minutes of injury time, if you get if you get one, you might get a second. But the odds of getting a third in that time as well, which. And so they're kind of, I mean, they looked pretty half-hearted at 1-0, to be honest. I mean, they didn't really look like they thought they were going to score. There was one shot from Reese Nelson, which fizzed across the goal, which I think still had covered anyway, because from that angle, it's really hard to, to beat a keeper from that angle, because you, the ball has to go, they have to really, really have left their post open to at the angle it was going at, even if it creeps in the corner. Um, and other than that, they didn't really offer that much. There was a few scrambles and a few bits and pieces, but... Hmm. Yeah, um, we were well on top a lot for quite a lot that time, and then yeah, uh, it was a brilliant finish from under from yeah, a brilliant assist from Trossard. I was uh, yeah, gave he gave it away nicely. I mean, he just sort of just squared it straight into the path of our guys. It was a, it was a lazy flick, wasn't it? It was. It didn't look like a flick that really had any sort of. I'm not sure what he was even aiming for. What what they thought he'd achieve by doing it deep in his own half like that. It was yeah. it was a very Trossard esque play, to be honest. It was, he was very. Not, Really, yeah. with it, very casual, and it costs them. And Undev gets the ball, uh, he chips it. There was a, a an inconsequential touch from the goalkeeper as well, I think, by the looks of it. But it really didn't change the yeah. trajectory much. And uh, I think it was going in either way round. And so, very much Undev's goal. Uh, yeah, chipped it over, and you just you think that looks like that's going to drop just in. That's yeah. great. 
just you just wait for a second for the final confirmation as you see where where it bounces and you think absolutely fantastic the game is won and just fantastic isn't it superb um and um and then of course we get the third goal as well uh, estupinian gets officially his first goal for the club but of course we all know that's not the case it's his second one um after that palace incident um yeah. and again he, yeah he kicked it into the ground the ball bounced free to him he kicked it into the ground and uh, it bounced up over the goalkeeper's um, outreaching arm um and into the that, corner of the net couple of things in the build up to that firstly brilliant challenge from Casado in the area on yes. um, on Nketiah when Nketiah was basically trying to get a penalty and and Casado didn't fall for it and went round him and won the ball clearly and it yeah. flicked through to steal. And secondly, Undav did brilliantly to hold it up initially and kind of like basically kind of hold up about three of their players and turn away to set Welbeck away, who then yeah. turned the favour to him and in order for him to shoot. Yeah. Um, Ramsdale should have done better really with it as they saw the match today. It wasn't the greatest shot ever, but I don't think any of us care. So. Exactly, yeah. And, and I mean, at that point, it was 2-0 with 96 minutes on the clock. It wasn't going to, even if we hadn't scored that, it wasn't going to be a, you know, it was a nice icing on the cake, but we, we'd won already by that. We'd seen off that attack previously, I think, which was the end of the game, basically. I mean, they weren't going to score two goals in two minutes or whatever, effectively. Yeah, and... Uh, also, it just pulls the goal difference back a little bit after what happened on Monday, which yeah, is yeah. quite pleasing and unexpected. Yeah, it wasn't dangerous dropping, you know, dropping away from to, towards like the mid mid te- mid teams. You know, that's going to be just awful after you know we've had such a good goal difference every year so far. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, only other thing I was going to mention really with the game itself was uh, was also just a fantastic atmosphere and. Just at the end as well, when when the players came over to applaud the fans and Deserby went mad, it was great. Loads of good fist pumping gestures from him. But I love the way Undav very slowly and purposefully walked all the way over to what I'm going to guess was maybe relatives that are in the front or near the yeah. front of the stand. And he was getting greeted and hugged by a bunch of um, a bunch of supporters there. It looked like I think it was Paul Samra, wasn't it? That was at the front as well next to them. It looked like him. Mm. Um, as seen on TV. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, I mean, superb, great atmosphere. I videoed the third goal as well. I happened to, uh, I had a hunch there was a goal coming and um, yeah, managed to get that one. So I'll have to pop that out on social media once once I finally caught up with the weekend's WhatsApping. Um, and um, it was superb. And the BBC report, by the way, said... This was another statement win in what looks like being a history-defining season for Brighton, who bounced back from a crushing 5-1 home defeat by Everton to produce one of their best performances of the season. They were at their clinical best as Arsenal were beaten at the Emirates for only the second time in the league. Uh, Roberto De Zerbi has called on his players to, to quote, write club history, end quote, by qualifying for Europe for the first time. De Zerbi said, it's not enough to qualify for the Europa League. We have four games and they're all tough games. We have 58 points and that's not enough. We have to win other games and first game will be in Newcastle on Thursday. I enjoy working with the players. I'm very lucky to be their coach and I'm happy that they enjoy working with me. That's a great satisfaction for me, but I prefer to speak about everything at the end of the season because we want to achieve something historic for the fans and for the club. Um, it's funny, when I first heard that, read that quote, I thought he meant the, the Europa League's not enough for him. And I was like, he was, he was still thinking about the Champions League. And then yeah. I realised what he actually meant was it's not enough points currently to... Um, to yes. But I, I, the stat that I was impressed me was that I thought, I, I think I heard was three of the last four teams to win at the Emirates are us. Yes, and it's just us and Man City that have won. Actually, yeah. we've both won twice at the Emirates this season because uh, they knocked them out of the FA Cup, we knocked them out of the League Cup, and then obviously both sides won their um, fixtures at, uh, at the Emirates in the League. Uh, yeah, three out of the last five, but yeah, it's still pretty impressive. It's a great stat, isn't it? And speaking of stats, the, the overall match stats were uh, pr- pretty comprehensively um, impressive in our favour as well. We have, I mean, we had more possession than they did, which again is... Um, Significantly more. Yeah, I mean, we, we, yeah, exactly. We had 58, uh, 59, wasn't it, or something? 59% possession, yeah. Um, they had 14 shots to our 12, but we had six on target to their two. Um, and, um, you know, that, fantastic, isn't it? Superb. Um, I, I, I just love this performance. I love this. The, the way the team were. I love this. The goal celebration, by the way, the third goal, Deserby <laughs> sliding on his knees yeah. in a pair of trousers. So you think, oh dear, that's going to be a, a replacement needed. I don't know if they well, Apparently, that. Martin Keown was moaning about that on, on Talk Sports today, along with moaning about the fact that Arsenal had to play after Man, Man City and that meant they were like down and moaning about this and moaning about that. And it's like, really? 
Well, it's a fixture scheduling. It's like that, isn't it? It's, good. it's yeah. always going to be like that. It's not the last game of the season, you know. It's like literally, it's yeah. still like we've still got four games to go. Yeah, it, it works the yeah. other way as well, doesn't it? If you, if um, if for example, Arsenal were still several points better off, and they were still like the slight favour or had it in their hands, yeah, um, there's more pressure on Man City in in a different sort of way, there, isn't there? Yeah, it's 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 all ridiculous, you know. Some of these things they. He was just kind of complaining about all sorts of stuff, and yeah, they were just being taking a piss out of him. I think on Talk Sport, yeah, being well, like, "Stop being an idiot." Well, we had to play on Monday, and they didn't have to play on Monday, do they? So no. we can talk about that if we want. Um, yeah, I, don't, I can't be doing with that. It really irritates me. But lots more praise all over the place uh, from various quarters after this. Um, this yeah. performance. Um, there was also a good um, uh, interview, by the way, on Sky uh, on their soccer uh, on their Sunday supplement or whatever it is. Uh, Ten o'clock in the, I think it was eleven o'clock actually in the morning on on Sunday pregame, which I recorded and watched later. Which is quite a nice little interview. Melissa yeah. Reddy uh, talking to uh, uh, Zerbi there, and uh, that was good as well. Lots of good coverage again and. Um, I, I think plenty of praise all round. Uh, had some messages from Spurs fans saying thanks for that. <laughs> um, Arsenal fans, yeah, I think were the ones I've spoken to have, uh, have been fairly gracious about it, and they said, "Well, better, better team won on the day." In the end, I haven't heard anyone moaning about decisions, but I'm sure there's plenty out there that are. Um, but overall, a fantastic day out, fantastic result. Things are back on track now, Peter. Um, we now are in pole position, but it's, as Deserby's alluded to, we've still got a bit of work to do at the moment. Yeah, Newcastle feels like a little bit of a free hit now, in a way. Yeah. If we could get the result there, then it's almost done. Yeah. If we We're can't, then the big thing for me is we don't get any more injuries or we don't, you know, we maybe tweak things a little. I wouldn't start Ferguson on Thursday. I'd tempt to start Welbeck instead, just because yeah. he's just back from injury and we'll need him at Southampton. That's the one, I mean, on paper, that should be enough to get. It, yeah. Villa, if, if in order for us to to win against Lampton and not get into Europe at all, then Villa would have to win at Liverpool, which would be. Yeah. So if we can get that one win, City now hopefully as well will have nothing to play for. If they could beat Madrid and beat Chelsea, then they'll have other priorities and already have won the league, which would be you know a real added bonus of yesterday. And, and also. On top of which, I don't want um, Man United to win the FA Cup. So I, no. want, I would like them to be in the best position they can be for that match, Man City as well. And in fact, it will be quite amusingly irritating for Man U fans if City do the treble. So I'm, I'm fully on board with yeah. City doing that now that we know where the title's going. And I think at least they can do is rest most of their team and play their under-12s against us after we basically oh, handed them the league. It's like, you know... <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. They've probably got some sort of spectacular goal scorer when they're under 12 as well, who, <laughs> who end up scoring or something. Yeah. Well, City now, um, oh, Martin Q and can't complain because um, Arsenal are playing before City this weekend. They'll probably up. complain about that too, though, somehow, yeah. you know. There's more pressure on them somehow. But yeah, essentially, the situation with the title now is Man City have 85 points, Arsenal have 81, City have three games left, Arsenal have two left. So essentially, um, Arsenal, if they fail to beat, or I think, uh, yeah, if they fail to beat Forest, or it might be if they if they um City have to match Arsenal's result basically. In effect, a draw would do it, but not yeah. mathematically from an Arsenal draw would do it. But they'd yeah. be three points behind with one game left, so they technically could catch them. But the goal difference difference about twenty. So in reality, given City won't lose by many any of those three games, Arsenal would have to probably win about ten nil or something or fifteen nil. Yeah. And if so, Forest if Forest beat Arsenal, um, then the title Cities before yeah. they played on the Sunday, yeah. Um, looking further down the table, after Arsenal is a 15-point gap to Newcastle and Man, City, uh, Man United with 66 points each, Liverpool and uh, three games to play each. Um, Liverpool also with three to play have 62 points in fifth place. We're now back up to sixth. Four behind Liverpool with a game in hand on them, four to play, uh, 58. And we are a point ahead of Spurs and Villa, which is very, very delightful, um, who have 57. And with a, a significantly better goal difference as well. Exactly. And a game, and a, a game in, sorry, two two games games in hand on both teams. Uh, and for what it's worth, Brentford are four points further back. They've got another good win at the weekend. So when, when you think through. about the fact that we deserved, a, we, de- we should have got a point against Villa because we should have had a penalty and we should have had three points at Spurs. You know, you turn those two results around only, even if you ignore all the other Trevorine travesties this season, if you turn those two results around and we have four more points and Villa have two fewer and Spurs had three fewer, we'd be in Europe comfortably now. Yeah. Uh, one, one final thing on the table. If Fulham get a draw, Chelsea are pretty much guaranteed to be um, bottom half of the table, guaranteed. Yeah. They've got three games left and they're eight points behind Fulham, who are the next uh, side. Uh, 
also yesterday's result officially confirmed we've got our level highest um level highest uh, position ever um, oh, yes. which last yeah. year we got on the what we were about 80 minutes in the last game of the season we kind of jumped back up to ninth wasn't it and and this season we've got it with four games to go yeah is that right though because i've brentford on 53 two yeah, games Fulham can't overtake us though so Fulham attempts, so we're guaranteed at least ninth, which is our level highest. Oh, sorry. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah, Fantastic. Brentford would have to win both to overtake us because their goal difference is pretty dire as well. Or pretty. Yes. The table's looking great. And you know how that, they have that form thing where they show the last um, the last five or six games, last six games. Um, it's significant how much more green for win there is yeah. in the top six um, than there is just below it. Spurs have had loss, loss, draw, loss, win, loss. Villa have had win, draw, win, loss, loss, win. And Brentford have had uh, loss, draw, win, win, loss, win. So it's kind of more yeah. sketchy form amongst the other sides. Um, and Spurs go to Leeds last game. That's not a place, be a tough place to go last game hey! of the season. Do you know they're in double uh, figures on tough place to go quotes now yeah. this season? <laughs> one, of our, one of our favourite places to go anyway. But I imagine if, if Leeds have to win to stay up, that'll be quite an atmosphere. And uh, probably quite, yeah, quite... Seeing Spurs aren't exactly the most, how shall I put it, the most um, on form or confident team currently. Yeah, exactly. And hopefully, uh, whatever results it is, means Spurs aren't in Europe. Actually, I'm not quite sure whether I want, in some ways, I'd rather Villa miss out and Spurs get seventh because Spurs will be pissed off about being only seventh and Villa will be happy to come seventh. And so they'd both be annoyed. So, in a way, it'd be more <laughs> funny if Spurs nick seventh from Villa and Spurs are fed up because they don't want to be in the Conference League. But on the other hand, it might mean Spurs win the trophy, which would be like the first time in about 50 years or something. Yeah. Well, I don't begrudge him enough to, to care about that too much. Apart from Kane, obviously. With, I've, I've definitely with, not been looking at who's like fifth or sixth in the league, in various leagues in Europe or whatever, and, uh, and try to work out who the Europa League might be. Yeah. <laughs> it very um, much changed my view since Friday. It was uh, I did not see that coming. I mean, but it's only Albin, is it? When you look at the last eight games, the rollercoaster we've been on just in the last eight games, and you're like Spurs away, the kind of anger of Spurs away, then the, the ecstasy of winning at Chelsea for the first time ever, then the, the you know the the pain of losing you know, that late on against United in penalties, the way we capitulated at Forest, but then stuffing Wolves and the emotion of beating United in the last minute, and then the then the kind of come down to earth and the deflation of Everton, and then Saturday here Sunday, it's like it's, it's there's no flat end to a flat promotion to happen. No, this really is it's just basically like either you're up on top of the world or down at the bottom basically. Yeah, it feels like. This really is the closest to a roller coaster by definition. Yeah. Really, really. I mean, even a roller coaster doesn't go up and down just every single second. <laughs> <laughs> they do have bits where it's a bit flat at the time, but we seem to just be. Yeah, We've up gone up and down. down like Homer Simpson's hairstyle with those little strands of hair. Zig, zig, zig. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, bottom of the table, bit of a different story. Southampton's relegation confirmed uh, before we kicked off that. Uh, yeah, done and dusted. They've now lost. It sounds uh, like they capitulated a bit against Fulham. They. Whether whether being down already will take the pressure off or whatever, but it sounds like against Fulham they were awful from yeah, what I read had, or I heard. They had a correctly disallowed goal, I think, uh, initially, but then they went down. Was it Tuna in the end? I think wasn't it? Yeah, um, they've lost four in a row, five of their last six. Uh, you know, they've had a terrible season. I think it's been coming to be honest, and maybe it will do them some good in a way to actually um, have. I know it often isn't the case that teams can bounce straight back, um, although Burnley did. But um, I think even if they're down for a couple of seasons, I think it might. Might be a reset that works well for them. Who knows? Um, yeah, there'll be a club that will come back again. It's you know, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think at some point we will go down again. There's no, you know, there's no kind of like for my side that will always be in the Premier League. Yeah. It might be ten years, it might be five years, it might be twenty years. But the reality is that you know, we're the way we're run, it's almost impossible to get it right all the time. And yeah. you know, it's yeah. it, it's also not putting us off a situation where you're desperately, you know, you're financially screwed if you do go down as well. That's the kind of big thing you haven't got. That's where I think someone like Leicester might really struggle and, and Everton, especially if they went down. The overpaid older players who actually aren't are going to get contracts like they've got like their club anymore. So stay around and don't really contribute to the championship, but are on really high wages. That's that's the problem. If you've got Southampton have got a relatively young, hungry squad, they they should do okay, I think. And if they you know, if they sell players, they'll get reasonable money for them. And if, if they can't sell them, then they'll be able to keep them and hopefully they'll want to show what they can do. Yeah. 
Um, uh, you're right. And looking at the table, by the way, it's Southampton 24 points uh, with two to play. Leicester 30 with three to play. They're playing tonight as we speak, but that's yeah. at home to Liverpool. Um, so not looking. It would be nice, there. doubly nice if they could beat them, actually, because I still think we can catch Liverpool. And yeah. also it would uh, increase the chances of a certain team you're about to mention yeah. going down. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah, Southampton 24, Leicester 30. Um, Leeds with two games left, 31. They got a good draw against um, Newcastle, but that didn't yeah. help them out of the relegation zone. They're still a point behind Everton, who of course lost. It's Sean, Sean Dyche does us every year, but but actually Pep does Sean Dyche every year. Yeah. Uh, 3-0, comfortable win. In fact, that's a lower score than usual <laughs> for Pep against um, Sean Dyche teams. Uh, Everton, yeah, point clear on 32, and they've got two to play as well. And, and Forrest, another two points ahead on 34. Um, yeah, I'm so hoping th- that if Leicester could get a win or two, then then Leeds and Everton go, partly because they're both Northern and it's a bit more of a journey than Leicester and Forrest, given, and given Burnley, Sheffield United already are coming up, and Middlesbrough and Thunder in the playoffs. We don't want really more Northern teams, partly because I don't want to play Dyche again next season because we always struggle against his teams. And, and also partly because I think, well, Leeds, you know, my views on anyway. And I think Everton deserve to go down. They've been down the bottom so often the last few years and they've just about scraped survival. You feel that, you know, in a way they deserve to go to get relegated. Yeah, well, apart from Arsenal, Everton are the longest-serving team in, in consecutive yeah. five seasons. Um, I think it's something like 90 or 95 seasons, something, something crazy like that. Um, and on that subject, actually, Southampton, their, their 11-year period has, has come to an end. Everton yeah, so they went up our first year at the Amex, didn't they? Yeah, Everton would be decades. Uh, yeah, back-to-back um, promotions, wasn't it, Saints? Everton yeah. would be decades if they went, and Leicester have been there longer than we have as well. So we would go up the table of of current consecutive top flight sides as well. Uh, we've already improved that with Saints going down, but that, that could get even better. It could be Leicester and Everton. We could have three teams who go above in that in that list, if so to yeah, speak. Yeah, there's some, there's some interesting games last game of the season. Everton have got Bournemouth home, which on the paper would be pretty winnable. You know, yeah. they'd, you'd fancy them to win that. Um, Leeds are home to Spurs, will be mentioned. Leicester are home to West Ham, which, you know, again, West Ham may be on the beach, West Ham have got quite a big say in relegation, actually, because they've got, they've got um, Leeds home at the weekend and then Leicester away. Yeah. So hopefully they beat Leeds and while well, they've still got a mathematical chance of going down and then then relax after that and lose to Leicester. Um, and then who are the other ones? I'm thinking of Forrester at Palace. So they've all got kind of teams who might not have that much to play for. Mm. But then Palace seem to better get away with uh, linking into a, a topic we're going to discuss. Palace seem to get away with doing whatever they want, don't they? Punching players and that sort of thing. Yes. Can I just very quickly mention one thing, actually? AFC Bournemouth, um, if Leicester don't win against Liverpool, Bournemouth will be mathematically safe uh, because they're eight points ahead of um, Leeds with two to play. They're nine ahead of... The, sorry, um, yeah, nine ahead of Leicester at the moment um, with Leicester having three to play. So, um, yeah, that, that might be interesting. I mean, they are safe anyway. Yeah, yeah let's, let's moan about this Palace situation. So what happened in this game was, uh, I don't know which stage of the match it was, but Anderson... They're it was nil, nil at the time. Nil-nil. So it's nil-nil in a game that Palace went on to win 2-0. I'm pretty sure would not have gone on to win 2-0 if they are down to 10 men. They bloody well should have been. They get away with this over and over again. The number of times Zaha's got away with stuff. Other players as well. Um, And on this occasion, Anderson is there defending uh, a set piece, I think it is. Um, One of the players, um, who was it that was... um, Lerma, wasn't it? Lerma, yeah. Lerma's um, there with him. and, And there's a bit of movement and jostle. And then suddenly... Anderson decides to clench his fist and then do a snidey punch in the face. Not full, you know, full jab, but he, he, but he sort of a little mini jab in the face um, with, with a clenched fist. And he's made contact completely out of the blue, un, unexpected by the by his opponent, uh, breaks his nose. And apparently that's fine. They looked at it on VAR and they decided it was absolutely fine. The fact he's breaking at... his nose with a clenched fist tells you that it's not fine. If they sack the likes of Lee Mason and that sort of thing after VAR, that, that's as bad a VAR decision as I've seen. I don't understand how yeah. you can look at that incident. I understand the referee missed it because it was all a bit of a, a melee and that sort of thing. And that's, it's literally what VAR has been brought in for. Hmm. And yeah, he obviously did it and hard enough to break Lerma's nose. How he gets away, this isn't because Palace are our rivals. How it, it's because it's such a poor decision. I don't understand how he got away with it. It's no. bizarre. It's- Absolutely outrageous, in my opinion. Um, the one thing I've only seen the incident close in, so I'm assuming that Palace were defending. Were they in that in that scenario? I can't remember, uh, it, but it wouldn't have been a penalty anyway. It wasn't. It, 
I don't think the ball was in play, so it wouldn't I, have been a foul. It would have been a straight card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, don't, it's not, I don't think it's a penalty either or a free kick either way. The ball wasn't in play. It was yeah. just while they were kind of like pushing around and shoving in the build-up. But yeah, he just literally just punched in the face. And it's, what is VAR doing? What What is the purpose of VAR if you can't spot that? I don't know who the VAR was at that game. But yeah, it was a dreadful decision and yeah, or non-decision. And yeah, I don't know how long they looked at it or what they did, but whether they thought it wasn't that that strong a punch or something or, but I mean, it clearly was because it broke his nose. And in all honesty, it doesn't matter whether it's, a, he's tapped him on the nose. He still put his fist towards his nose. Yeah, Even if he's not, just gone and tapped it. You're not allowed to raise a hand to an opponent. That yeah. is a bookable or send-offable offence, depending on... Well, it's a, it's a red card straight away, even if you even if you hardly touch them. Mm. I mean, Shane Duffy, when he head-butted, allegedly, um, Van Arnholt, I'm pretty sure barely touched him. But because that, but it's a red card because you can't move your head towards someone, as, as Kyle Walker should have been sent off in the semi-final of the FA Cup as well, yeah. when we yeah. played City. You know, and, he, he, and the difference is Johan match didn't make a meal of it, and it was City. So that was a, the big two differences. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, what if Duffy that, barely touched Van Arnholt, I'm pretty sure, but he's still got a red card. And what if this Anderson, this Anderson incident, if that's a crucial game, you know, it's, it's not going to be a different decision because it's a crucial game or not. Um, it's just going to be yeah. a different decision in any game. And if it happens to be a crucial game, that I'd be fuming. Right. I'd be absolutely fuming even more if yeah. uh, my team, yeah. Disgraceful. And also every game is crucial because if you look at the prize money, the difference between 11th and 15th, and those teams are all pretty close. Bournemouth win that. They actually mm. aren't that far behind Palace or you know, in and around Palace, and they might overtake them and they could finish 12th, 11th, which would get them another probably six, seven million compared to finishing 15th or 14th. Which is a big amount so, for a club with, with yeah, exactly. So yeah. It, is, it, it is all still crucial. Just because it's mid-table and there's not much to go, that no, neither team really is going to go down. doesn't mean it's not crucial in the sense of money. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's even if it's a relevant game and both teams are stuck in the same position, still punched him in the face. It's it's stupid. I mean, yeah, I don't know if the FA can look back and retrospectively ban him now they know that Jefferson Lerma's broken his nose because you know even I mean what on earth they must be thinking looking at that. Then PGML must be. I don't know what are they going to apologise to Bournemouth? I don't know. Surely they will. Well, they should do, but Dermot Gallagher, um, Sky Sky based um, referees apologists, um, didn't think it was enough for a uh, uh, for a sending off. Well, let's just punch you in the nose. See what, how you like what it. What was his logic for that? If you raise your hand to someone's face, it's a red card. It's a fact. That's a, that's a rule. I don't understand. What was his logic? Yeah, yeah. And, and also, only... did he not know that Lerma broke his nose? He must have done. Well, they're, they're talking about it, I think, on their only caught bit of it, actually. So apologies if I've got that wrong. But I, from what I understand, he was saying that it was, it, you know, it was um, one of those ones. I think he, he said if it was given, it would have, wouldn't would be overturnable. But it wasn't, um, you know, if, if it wasn't given, it shouldn't be overturned. Oh, so if, that, if that's not a clear and obvious error, then I don't know what is. Well, uh, can I just say, poetic justice, well, last time we had a podcast was the night that Sheffield Wednesday were about to kick off in, in their playoff semi-final, and I cannot tell you how amused I was. Oh, yeah, the fact was they good. pushed hard for automatic promotion. Two teams were just that little bit better than them. They were unlucky with a very high points total to miss out on the automatic promotion places. But it is what it is. They had to go into the playoffs. And being as they pushed themselves so hard, they were a bit tired. They're maybe not at their best. And a team that had just snuck in at the last moment, uh, un- not undeservingly, but but by a thin whisker of a margin, Peterborough, played them home home advantage, obviously, to the to the lower-ranked team first game at Peterborough's London Road, 4-0. <laughs> Absolutely love it. And that is the absolute epitome of poetic justice isn't it really that one <laughs> anyway uh 4-0 yeah superb um score there from our point of view really enjoying that i'm not sure if it's going to be uh decisive yet i think it probably will be um so the, the worst of luck to wednesday in the return game but that's a classic come up at the moment it was rather marvelous wasn't it peter it was, yeah, very funny. And the irony is, Peter, it wasn't even like the Wednesday playoff because it, that one, we had a massively tough game in Middlesbrough, whereas Wednesday rested their whole team because yeah. they were playing. They had, Whereas Peterborough had to play their whole team. They, they had a tough game at Barnsley the last That's week. That's true, actually, yeah, to be honest. So it wasn't even like Peterborough yeah. rested their whole team. They had to go to Barnsley and win and hope. And the irony is, hope Wednesday beat Derby. Yeah. 
Yes. And and Wednesday, uh, there was some, there was a clip of Wednesday fans mocking Derby after beating them and, and causing Derby to miss out on the playoffs, saying, um, you know, you, you screwed up or staying down or something like that. And, um, you know, no sooner do they do Well, when will people ever learn? You know, don't mock because it will come back to haunt you, often very quickly indeed. Uh, the only annoying thing for me was I actually was going to put a bet on 4-0 when it was 2-0 at half time. And I, uh, I was about to have dinner and I didn't get around to doing it and watched the rest the game and thought oh bugger <laughs> they've only gone and done it 4-0 uh the other ones are a lot tighter i won't go into detail we'll wait till we see the conclusion of matters yeah. elsewhere. but congratulations but- to uh knotts county yes. oxford city and kidderminster yeah exactly kidderminster that was uh, out of left field oxford finished same points as worthing better goal difference they finished just behind dartford um so they were second ranked of, of the playoff sides but well done to them yeah uh, they're a good team and uh, that mckechran guy up front uh, who plays up front for them is uh, pretty good so well done to them but knotts county i was dreading uh, from just from neutral's point of view i was dreading the notion that a team that superior to all three of the other teams all of the other teams sorry that were involved in the playoffs um they could have missed out and they very nearly did they were trailing again they conceded yeah. sixth minute and i think it was the 87th minute when they got their late equal their latest and then they conceded again early in extra time as well yeah and then and then pulled it back eventually won on penalties and actually comfortably because uh uh, they were um i think there were a good couple of pens at hand ahead which is just as well for john bostock wasn't it <laughs> oh my god i mean surely you just he penenka yeah. it into the bar. Uh, when he all he had to do was blast it home, and that was that was it, done and dusted. Yeah, and then, missed, but then the goal scorer was the one who missed against Wrexham in that promotion six pointer. So yeah, which was quite nice. good for him. Yeah, because but, um, yeah, well done. Notts County deserved it. I mean, I don't think anyone Chesterfield obviously would be gutted, but hmm. I don't think anyone can deny that a team who got 107 points in the end or something like that deserved to go up. I mean. I think there were 23 points ahead of Chesterfield and Chesterfield yeah. won this team. Um, the last two seasons have shown it's ludicrous that there's only two well, only two promotion spots from the left league. There should be three. I don't know why they don't just cut it, change league two to three up, three down like it like it was, like it, it should be. I don't know why there's four up from league two and two up from the National League. It makes zero sense. I don't know why it ever came into being in the first place. Um, yeah. Well, I think it was because of the non-league, there was like the massive non-league to league gap in the old days. And it was like kind of semi-professional teams and all that. And so only one team. And at first you had to be kind of actually voted in, didn't you? And then they got one promotion spot, which made it really hard to go up or down. That well, doesn't explain um, luckily the... for us, obviously, because we would have yeah. gone down twice if it wasn't for that. Exactly, yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm grateful for that, for sure. But... Um... It doesn't explain the League 2 to League 1 scenario. Which no, that's always been the case, I think, hasn't it? It's always been yeah. four up, but I don't know why I, Why League 2 is special. But I, I would fully expect to see both Wrexham and Notts County up the top in challenging for automatic, certainly the playoffs, but probably yeah. automatic promotion next season. I was going to say, um, I, I saw an interview with the Notts County um, captain and he was talking about, uh, you know, just the relief of having managed to get the job done. But then he was talking about um, what they're doing next season and he thinks that um, them and Wrexham might be pushing each other head to head amongst a promotion battle. Um, they they mm-hmm. generally think, especially not only have they got an extra promotion space, they've got two extra promotion spaces. Yeah. Um, so, and I, th- I genuinely think they could be amongst it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, a couple of Albion connections there as well. Luke Williams, who's yeah. the, the manager, was an Albion like, kind of under twenty three coach, and Adam Chickson as well as uh, plays for them. Ryan Harley, see, um, Luke Williams' assistant as well. Yeah, so three three There's Albion a, connections. A plethora of Albion connections there. Yes. Well, they seem to be everywhere, don't they? These connections. But we uh, did have a lot of players over the years, didn't we? So. <laughs> I have to say, by the way, apparently Rex and uh, lots of um, congratulations and praise to County as well. There's been really good relations between the clubs, apparently, with uh, communications, especially after they got the job done. I think they were they were genuinely pleased for them that they'd gone up with them. And they shouldn't be, should they? Should they should uh, probably uh, want, want to be like the worst people to go up, whatever. But yeah, I think I think it's fair enough. I mean, they they saw what happened last year, and it kind of. I mean, last year they didn't get even close to the points that County got, and obviously they missed out. So. Yeah, it's it's good to see also two quite, you know, big clubs as well compared to, uh, you know, you compare them to even quite a lot of clubs in League One even, and they're they're huge, you know. So it's, it'll, yeah, it'll make it a tough league next year in League League Two. And, you know, Bradford, for example, don't go up from the playoffs. That's not a, you know, not a big club. You know, teams like Carlisle as well get decent crowds and, yeah. you know, so it's, a, yeah, a real, 
yeah, it could be an interesting fight at the top there. Although the teams going down are, are not the huge ones, are they? Teams like Accrington and Morecambe are maybe like historically not as big and not a bigger fan base. Yeah. Meantime, Worthingham, we're going to Torquay United of all teams, a team we've played many times before. Um, that seems bizarre, doesn't it? After their relegation, and well, made... Torquay being off, yeah, normally. So I was thinking it was the level below, of course. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting. Yeah, it's a quite. A, it's quite a Western feel to it, isn't it? Next year, because Truro came up, and Taunton, Truro, and Taunton, Taunton came up already in there. Oh yeah, and then yeah. one of the other Western teams, Bath, Bath are in there obviously already, and yeah. I think. Western Supermare that maybe came up or something like that again. So there's quite a few Western teams in National League South this year. It's a bit of an anomaly because Banbury, which is in Oxfordshire, is is in the northern section, uh, which is yeah. Bit, but there we go. Well, because yeah. I mean, it'd be even more I think this year because the National League there were three teams came down from the south. Oh, Yeovil of course came down as well. Oh right, Yeovil, so it might Torquay be and Maidstone all came down. So the, the the shift may well move even further south then. I wonder if Torquay might not... Because uh, I think Torquay and Yeovil, um, I'm pretty sure someone said that Worthing would be playing them next year. So do, Yeah, they will be, yeah. Sorry, they, it's like, so it's, they, they'll be in the southern bit, definitely, but it's a matter of boom. Maybe in the north then or something, surely not. No, no, they wouldn't be in the north. It'll be someone on that line. Like Gloucester and Lowestoft have both been in the north at one point and, and so Banbury, Oxford, Oxford City were in the north at one point. Yeah. So they'll move one of the other teams. Yeah, according. one of the teams, yeah. assuming that, that it all shifts, one yeah. of the other teams who are further north of the, the furthest north of the uh, conference south will have a lot of very long away trips. Yeah, yeah definitely. Anyway, congratulations to, yeah, to Oxford, to um, to Notts County, and we'll see what else happens in the playoffs. Um, and um, yeah, plenty more to discuss. Our next one, we're going to try and get Peter actually on from... Um, the uh, Rebel Yell uh, to talk about Worthing season at some point as well. But um, in the meantime, uh, we've got Newcastle on Thursday, another big one. As you said, something of a free hit in a funny sort of way, but wouldn't it be brilliant if we could get uh, at least a draw and preferably a win? If we could win. I mean, it sounds crazy. And um, Alan, Alan, who obviously was on last last show, was saying jokingly about the Champions League the other day. But if we were to win at Newcastle, it's not impossible. We'd have to win at Newcastle and probably have to win our last four. But yeah, I mean, it's it's not going to happen. But if we did win at Newcastle, you never know. I'd be delighted with a point, to be honest. There, given the number of games, if you get a point, then that puts us two clear of Spurs and Villa, and yeah. means actually against Southampton, we may only need a point if one of those two lose their yeah. weekend games. Yeah, wouldn't want to rely on that, but yeah, no, yeah. no, I wouldn't either. But yeah, it might mean that. Yeah. Well, next up, well, I'm not going to the game, but you are going to the game, Peter. I am, yeah. Alan's actually bought a ticket um, post-match uh, yesterday uh, off the back of our result. He's now going post-haste. to Newcastle. Yeah, uh, there's a few, quite a few people going up, I think, that we know. Um, I'm not going to be amongst them, but you are. So we'll do. Um, we'll try and do a, um, a review show at some point. You, you were glad yeah. the driving test is an excuse to, uh, <laughs> yeah. to not go. Exactly, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, we'll do a review in between that and the Saints game. That'll be our next one. Uh, thank you for joining us, as always, folks. And, Peter, stand or fall? Up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.